relatives, tea growers in Munnar. It was our third day there. Ravi and I were terribly bored. Challenge. I'll give you two rupees. Run into that church and drink the holy water. You must be thirsty. Here, I brought you this. Why would a God do that? Why would he send his own son? to suffer for the sins of ordinary people? Because he loves us. God made himself approachable to us, human, so we could understand him. We can't understand God in all his perfection, but we can understand God's son and his suffering as we would a brother's. In Jan Martel's bestseller, The Life of Pi, you just met Hindu, the Hindu boy named Pai, who met up with a Catholic priest, uh, Father Martin, who tells Pai the story of the gospel, the defining moment in the story of God and his people, the sending of his son, his, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And what's in the book that's not in the film is that Pai asks for more. He says, I asked for another story, one that I might find more satisfying. Surely this religion had more than one story in its bag, Religions abound with stories, but Father Martin made me understand that their religion had only one, and to it they came back again and again, over and over. It was story enough for them. Father Martin is right, is he not? Christianity has one story, and to it we come back again and again, over and over, because it is story enough for us. Our lives are ever-changing. The story of our lives has many movements in it, chapters in it, constantly changing. Our hope in our ever-changing story lies in coming back to the one story. And it is because that story never changes that it is enough. Change. I want to talk this morning a little bit about change. Change brings about endings to the chapters within our stories, right? Many of you, probably every one of you, are going through a season of change. We cannot be human and not, right? And depending on what ends, we love or hate change, don't we? Sometimes it's great and glorious and bring it on. And other times it's like, please, no, Lord. Because of this one story to which the story of Daniel points us, what we're going to find this, this year is that we can face change with hope and even thankfulness. In fact, we can embrace every ending ever living expectantly. 
in the weeks ahead, spending time together in the book of Daniel, if we let him, I believe God wants to transform the way we embrace endings, every kind of ending, by enabling us to grasp and live for what is everlasting, what is never ending. So as an introduction to Daniel, I want to begin by first looking at endings. We do, right, have a love-hate relationship with endings. Yes? Everybody in agreement? Okay, if not, here, let me convince you. Endings bring about change. The end of a disease, the end of singleness, the end of childlessness, the end of bankruptcy, the end of depression, fill in the blank, bring it on, happy to embrace that ending, right? But the end of a marriage, the end of a friendship through disagreement or death, the end of financial stability, the end of freedom, the end of a good reputation, Oh, Lord, no. That's painful. And to really confuse things, <laughs> what is clearly a good change can be complicated. And we may not embrace it in the same way as everybody else, right? So this past summer, and just, just when I finished writing Daniel, I found out I'm going to be a grandmother. Yeah. An incredible ending and beginning, right? My son and his wife have been married two years. They love the Lord. They have prayed for this child. It is a beautiful, beautiful change, truly joy-filled. But for me, being a grandmother is a different change because parenting has not ended for me, and it will never end. I am still the mother of a young toddler. I have a 23-year-old severely disabled daughter who is developmentally, physically, and intellectually at about one year of age. Unlike my friends who are empty nesters, I am still feeding, bathing, and pottying. What help will I be to my son and his daughter and his wife? What role will I play? This change, though definitely welcomed and rejoiced over, is more complicated for me because something in my life has remained the same, has never ended. See, even welcome change is complicated, isn't it? in this broken world and in our broken lives. And good endings are elusive. You're always waiting for the shoe to drop, right? And unwelcomed endings come to us all. If you've never had one, oh, you have lived a charmed life. And it will come. And this is where we find Daniel, and we will find so much hope. As we jump right into Daniel, our study will begin in what appears to be a devastating end for God and his, God's people. Daniel 1.1 pops, we right, pop right into the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, the king of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, devastated it, destroyed the temple. Daniel's story, like ours, is in the middle of the story of God and his people. A story that began at creation, a story that we can find in Genesis 1. Where we were created, you and I, the first man and the first woman who represent us, were created in and for unending paradise, perfect relationship with our creator. The first man and woman, again, representing you and me, sought change through independence. And in just a few chapters, their story turns very dark. It's not a happy ending. Sin and suffering into the world. And it should have been an end completely, but it's God's story. Rather than wiping out his people and perhaps starting again, God called out of a sinful people a man to create a nation for himself, a nation that would become, later become Israel. 
And as long as the Lord was their king, you see from Genesis all the way to the book of Daniel, as long as the Lord was their king, Israel, God's people, flourished. Whether they were facing welcome change or unwelcome change, whether they were receiving a season of plenty or a season of want, when God was their king, they flourished in the midst of every ending. And when God wasn't their king, they were devastated, even when it looked like things circumstantially were good. At the time of Daniel, 5th century B.C., God's people as a nation sought change through independence from him, like Adam and Eve. And Israel is sieged. Its best and its brightest are taken captive. This is all just in Daniel 1. And it is the end of the home that Daniel loves because he loves his God. And it's the end of freedom for Daniel. It's the end of his future, or so it seems. Daniel, who belonged to a noble family, possibly a royal family, was bright. He was beautiful. He was gifted. He was faithful. He was intelligent. His deep faith assured that he could make a difference for Israel. Why now? The end, this besieging by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, this end meant that Daniel's giftedness would be exploited for another kingdom rather than harnessed and used for God's kingdom, or so it looked. See, Daniel was taken captive to destroy not only the homeland that Daniel lived in, but to destroy his relationship with God within him. That was the goal of Nebuchadnezzar. And then to use Daniel to get him to influence all the rest of the Israelites to forget Jerusalem and their God. Change brings endings to chapters within our stories. Change is hard. Sometimes it's devastating. I was talking with a woman recently, and I had her permission to share with you, and she is walking through the midst of unbearable change. Endings, um, many endings on top of one another um, that truly, again, are unbearable. And I asked her, where is your hope? What gets you up in the morning? Where is your hope? And she just looked at me and with such profundity said, my hope is in an unchanging God. This is what we are going to see in the book of Daniel. And be assured, we as God's people can face change uniquely. Why? Because God is everlasting. He is unchanging. And it is because of this we have hope. Biblical and secular counselors agree hope is essential to flourish in the face of change. Ask anyone who works with people, and they will tell you without hope there is no way to flourish. But hope is uniquely Judeo-Christian. Did you know that? In fact, in the first century, the ancient Greeks only had two kinds of stories. They had comedies and tragedies. That's it. A comedy was fun, but it wasn't real. You escaped life. A tragedy was real, but it was not fun. See, the Greeks had a fatalistic view of life. Sound familiar? Like Shakespeare's Macbeth, life is a tale told by idiots, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. The Greeks felt that if you looked hard, if you took a hard look at life, it was sad. And if you ignore life, then maybe it could be funny. And without hope, we need hope to be able to face life. Without hope, to see that our lives, we need hope to see that our lives are woven into a greater story. And if we don't see this, we become cynical or shallow, right? 
As the story of Daniel unfolds, we will see astounding hope. Throughout our study, we will see Daniel having hope that enables him to take a hard look at the reality of life and still laugh. Rejoice. Within his story, Daniel keeps going back to the unchanging nature of his everlasting God. Daniel knows well the words of the psalmist, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and the righteous to children's children. And the words of Malachi, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. That's what Daniel was counting on, that no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter how bad it looked, God had promised he is steadfast. He never changes. Daniel knew his chapter was part of one story, God's steadfast love. Do you know that? Do you know that your life is a chapter within a greater story of God's steadfast love? His promise to buy back his people, to bring us back to paradise. Daniel knows this. Daniel knows, he writes it by the hand of God, that God gave the people to Babylon. Babylon didn't come against um, Jerusalem without God's permission. God gave his people to Babylon to unfold his story. Daniel knows God has strategically placed him where he is, that he might offer hope to God's people. Then, and it's been preserved to offer us hope. And Daniel knew he was in Babylon to offer hope there. We're going to see Daniel offer hope to pagan kings, to pantheists who believe in a million different gods. And Daniel takes his place in the Babylonian court. His actions are not of human calculation. We're going to see over and over again. He does what appears to be foolish because he is a man of faith and a man of prayer. And God, as a result, reveals secrets to Daniel that only God could reveal. By God's design, Daniel's story, as we're going to see, is filled with breathtaking personal experiences, filled with heroism and triumph. We have fiery furnaces that do not consume God's people. We have lions whose mouths are shut. We have writing on walls. Amazing heroism, amazing triumph. God gives Daniel revelation about the past, the present, and the future. We're going to understand our story's beginning, our story today, and where we are headed. Yes, Jesus is returning, and Daniel's given a picture of that long before he would ever, long before he would, ahead of what he would ever know. Given in the form that is often dramatic and troubling, we're going to come across pictures and symbols and beasts that are disturbing, symbolism and visions to help us understand the true nature of earth's ever-changing kingdoms, the reality of evil, and the everlasting one who rules over it all. And you know what's really encouraging to me as I was studying this summer is that Daniel didn't understand his own visions. And so you're not going to either. So what benefit were they? If Daniel didn't get it all, What benefit were his visions for him and for his people? He got the big picture. He got what God wanted him to get. He got what what mattered most. God is God. He is unchanging. He is everlasting. He rules. He reigns. That's what matters. Like Revelation in the New Testament, Daniel 
in the Old Testament is a picture book, and we must approach it as a picture book. Like a child that says, come and see this. We need to not get sidetracked by the details that we do not understand. We will miss the big picture. We will miss being delighted. We will miss finding hope. We will miss God. My daughter, my 23-year-old daughter, Aubrey, who is severely disabled, loves books. It's one of the few things that she can really entertain herself with because she's, she's very impaired motor-wise. And whenever she gets a new set of books, oh, my goodness, she had a birthday in August, and she won't sleep. And she's a sleeper. But I will go in her room, and I'll find her upside down, wrong way on her bed because she's staring at her bookcase. And she, she, who I usually have to rouse and get her out of bed, takes warning after warning after warning to get to school. Now she is up in the dark looking through her books. Aubrey doesn't know the details of those stories. She can't read the words. She is enamored by the big picture. She's delighted by the big picture. In fact, she's so hard on her books that sometimes she tears them. And so we'll take some of these pictures and we'll put them in her trash can in her bathroom. And when I put her on the potty, I can hear the trash can getting knocked over because she's reaching in there trying to get the pictures out. And ladies, that's such a beautiful picture of what I hope we do with Daniel, especially when we get to the symbolism and the visions, that we will be enamored with the big picture, who God is and what he has done. And that he would delight us in giving us a picture book that we might understand how the world works. That we might see more clearly the kingdoms of man in light of the kingdoms of God. And that we might have hope. The book of Daniel is given to assure us our God is unchanging. His throne everlasting. Daniel 2, 21 to 22, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He, our God, our unchanging God, reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. That is enough, is it not? We don't need to go looking for codes, right? Sinclair Ferguson says the book of Daniel is an entrance into a strange but brave new world. Not only visions, not only mysteries, but miracles. We're going to see incredible miracles in the book of Daniel. And why does God perform these miracles? Because he's breaking his kingdom into the earthly kingdom that we might never forget. The whole purpose of miracles in the Old Testament and the New Testament is so that we can see the kingdom of God break into the kingdom of man and be reminded of what that kingdom is. That we might evidence the unchanging nature of our God and the nature of his everlasting kingdom. Each vision in the book of Daniel, each miracle points us to and prepares the way for when God himself will break in. We're going to see in the book of Daniel that God's kingdom breaks in, breaks in, breaks in, breaks in. And it prepares us for that defining moment in history when God himself will break in in the sending of his son. And Daniel gets, gets a vision of this. See, every season, every kingdom we're going to see in the book of Daniel is preparing us, preparing history for the right moment for when God will most profoundly break into this kingdom by sending his son. Galatians and Philippians put it this way, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay, could you just be blown away a little bit about the everlasting kingdom of God breaking into this earthly kingdom by sending his only son to die for us? That is the steadfast love of God. Can I hear an amen? I'll just get louder and faster if you don't. Amen. Jesus' own change is our hope that he was willing to take on the form of a man, to enter, to bring God's everlasting kingdom here. Jesus alone is worthy to receive an everlasting kingdom. We're not, will, we're not worthy, but because he emptied himself and he willingly set aside his heavenly glory to become a man, the son of man for us, he made a way. He came to live the life we cannot and die the death we deserve so that he might rise again and give us that inheritance of an eternal life in his eternal kingdom. And Daniel is given prophetic pictures of that defining moment in the story of God and his people. Listen to what Daniel sees about the Son of Man, Jesus, and the Ancient of Days, God. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came on, came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Somebody sent me a, a little uh, quote from Anne Graham Lotz that was posted yesterday, and she writes, The world is not falling apart. It's falling into place. It is falling into place for the Son of Man's return. See, he's already died. He's already given his life for us. He's already been resurrected, and he's already ascended. That is done. We are already in the last chapters of the story because we're in between Jesus' first coming and his second. And he won an eternal kingdom for us. And he is coming. And every kingdom, earthly kingdom, every season is preparing the way for him to return for us and to restore us back to that paradise we lost. We can be changed by this. We should be changed by this. And I pray by the power of God's spirit, Right now, we are being changed by this reality. Daniel is given to us as part of the one story we must come back to over and over again. It is our hope in an ever-changing world with ever-changing lives. It is the good news of Jesus, the defining story within the story of God and his people. What is this good news? Right from the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5.21, John 3.16. For our sake... God made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, ordinary people, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This story is enough. This story is enough. Because it is the story that never changes. Have you ever woken up from a nightmare and been so glad it wasn't true? And maybe you even had a horrendous day ahead of you and you're like, okay, the day's not so bad. Right? Because I'm so glad that that nightmare is, didn't happen. That I, that's the gospel. 
living in an ever-changing world, he is everlasting and so are we. The worst thing that can happen to you, Russell Moore writes, is not losing your job, your friends, your freedom, or your life, but to be cursed and cut off from God. Believers have already been cursed and cut off from God in Christ through his death on the cross. And the best thing that can happen to you is being raised from the dead to newness of life in fellowship with the living God. This has already happened to you too. You have woken up from the nightmare if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Though you live in an ever-changing world, you are everlasting. Daniel 12, 2 through 3, we have this promise. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Who are the wise? The ones who say this story is enough. When we know that this story is enough, good endings are a foretaste of paradise. Good endings, the end of that disease, the end of that sickness, the end of that suffering, that devastation, that depression is a foretaste of the paradise that we are returning back to. And painful endings are a reminder of his faithfulness and an opportunity to see that he is the unchanging God until he returns for us. Yes, change brings about endings to chapters within our stories. Because our unchanging God has made a way for us to be everlasting, we can embrace endings, and we can embrace them expectantly. Ladies, long-running battles exist between the kingdoms of this earth and the kingdom of our God. And they will continue to exist until his son returns for us. And it will bring welcomed and unwelcomed change into our lives. As one commentator says, we suffer the consequences of living east of Eden, paradise. Thorns and thistles, earthquakes and tornadoes, broken relationships, pain, death, and murder. We have a very real enemy who wants to exploit the gifts that God has given us, made in his image, and the gifts that he's poured into us, who wants to exploit those gifts, distance us from our unchanging God, and keep us from changing. But we don't have to be fatalists. We can look life realistically in the eye and have hope. And those who have biblical hope, we're not idealists, we're realists. We affirm that God is good all the time. He is unchanging. But we also affirm that in so many ways, things are not as they're supposed to be. This isn't our home, as Philippians 3.20 tells us. Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, says, Living in our Father's story means living in tension. If you try to seize the day, the day will eventually break you. Seize the corner of his garment and don't let go until he blesses you. He will reshape the day. That's what we'll see with Daniel. And that's what God wants to do for us. The God who is unchanging has made a way to save us from death to bring us into his everlasting kingdom. See, I think the fear of change, anybody have it? The fear of change comes from knowing what change can bring. We've all been there. We've all seen the difficulty and pain change can bring. The fear of change comes from knowing what change can bring. But ladies, we don't know it all. Daniel didn't, and we don't. 
He who never changes does know it all. And when he is our king, we will find that we flourish through all and every ending. As James reminds us, every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He will not change. As I think about being a grandma, I have to look at 23 years of God's faithfulness and the fear of every change of our stage of life with Aubrey. One of my greatest fears of change was when one of our children got married. I didn't know how that would work with Aubrey. She doesn't like to sit still in any kind of service very long. You know, we do need to care for her needs. How could I be a mother of a groom or a mother of a bride and enjoy my daughter? And it just was complicated. So this beautiful thing, this precious two lives coming together um, brought some fear for me. My friend Michelle came to me, I don't know, a month or two before the wedding, and she said, my gift to you for the wedding is I want Aubrey. Let me have Aubrey. And she was the perfect one because I knew that she would love Aubrey, that she wanted to do it for me. And Michelle would say, God told her. My unchanging God who has met me every step of the way with Aubrey through every change, Puberty, all of it. He'll be there when this new baby comes. When I remember, I am not only excited, but I'm expectant. He never changes. And that changes everything. It becomes a journey, a spiritual adventure. Will we change? Will we let our unchanging God change us by the reality that he never changes? In the book of Daniel, we are exiles. We will see that like the exiles, we too live in a world that is broken. But we too can find hope. Life-giving hope. Because we too will find the author, as Daniel did. And what I love about Daniel the most, if there's a most is that God reveals himself in relationship. He writes himself into the story. He is not abstract. He's not a concept. He's not a list of attributes. He is a very real presence in the midst of the nitty-gritty of life, in my life, in your life, in each life. And when you see him in the midst of every character's life that we see, every historical account, know that he's in yours. He is central to the movement from your beginnings to your middles to your ends. And my prayer is that you will study Daniel. You'll saturate in it. You will let the text speak to you. And that you'll surround yourself with others who are doing the same, who are different than you. And that is why we purposely mix up your groups with ages and stages and different stories. And some of you will find a connection, and that is beautiful. That is God, too. And some of you might be in a group where you're like, I don't know if I can relate to any of these women. You are right where God wants you to be. Because the people who have impacted me the most, the people God has used to change me the most, are the people who are not like me. It is through our interdependence that God keeps us from choosing our own endings, that God shows us who he is, that God gives us a different perspective, a different vision of his faithfulness and of his unchanging nature. It is through us 
that he offers life-giving hope. Our different nitty-gritties, our different understandings, our different experiences, our different knowledges of him. Scott Sauls in his book, Jesus Out the Side of the Lines, he says, As we live in the company of people who are not like us, the unique expressions of God in them tend to rub off on us. And this happens, as this happens, we become better, more whole, and more Christ-like version of ourselves. If you want to be changed, enter into each other's stories. Because of your uniqueness, you and only you are able to bring certain things to that small group. Because of my uniqueness, I and only I can bring certain things. Our faith, ladies, it does have many stories. It has yours and yours and yours and yours and mine and yours and yours. And we've been gathered together because each of us tell his uniquely. And by entering into each other's stories, we're going to get taken back again and again to the one story. God's steadfast love for his people, illustrated in the life, death, and resurrection of his son. So in our ever-changing story of our lives, our hope If you get nothing else this morning, in the ever-changing story of our lives, our hope lies in coming back again and again to one story. This will be the story to which Daniel will point. And it is because of this story, it is because this story never changes, that it is enough. Father Martin is right. Christianity has one story. And to it, we come back. Again and again, it is, trust me, story enough for us. Father, how do we even thank you for your steadfast love, for the gospel, for the defining moment in that story, your story of your steadfast love, the sending of your son, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his return. I pray that as we pour into the book of Daniel, I pray that there be an excitement among these women that we just want to jump in immediately to hear you, to see you, to know you, that we might know you better, and that we might see your steadfast love, your unchanging and everlasting nature, and that for your glory, and our good, we will be changed by it. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's close with this song as we um, just dedicate ourselves to him and